We already talked about market anomalies, um, also called factors, and uh, we specifically talked about value as one of those factors. Today, I'd like to make an introduction to factor investing as a whole. Welcome to Learn to Invest, a podcast by Money Masters with me, your host, Robert. Let's get started. Yeah, hi, Scott. Welcome back. How's it going? Hey, Robert. It's going pretty good. It's kind of warmed up nicely here. All the winter storms are gone. It's feeling like summertime. Uh, as we, as it typically happens in Texas. I'm sure we'll have an ice storm next week, though. That's typically the weather pattern here. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we are recording this in February. And uh, obviously, you can imagine here in Germany in February, it's a little bit colder than Texas. <laughs> um, but yeah, spring is around the corner. That's a good thing. All right, um, let's do a short recap. Um, so what did we talk about um, in the previous episodes? We said that the uh, stock market is very efficient. And as soon as new information occurs, it is yeah, very quickly priced in. This makes it difficult for market participants to get an, yeah, to get an advantage, I would say, um, over the other participants. Uh, however, there are f a few so-called market anomalies, uh, people also call it factors, which allow educated investors and traders to beat the market. Uh, a couple of examples we already talked about, value, momentum, size, um, calendar effects, um, many other things. Um, yeah, we talked about that already. And um, so how can one try to take advantage of these factors? One approach is so-called quant investing, quant invest, quantitative investing, yeah, short quant investing. And that basically means that you're um, trying to set up a strategy based purely on data, on, on numbers, you could say, yeah, purely quantitative, um, and thus try to beat the market long term. So, uh, Scott, question to you. Do you think it is possible to determine um, purely based on numbers how good an investment will perform in the future? That sounds like a trick question. Mm. I want to say yes. I want to say yes. I hope the answer is yes. Because if mm. I'm going to put money somewhere and I've got access to the numbers, I should be able to have a really good idea of where I'm going to land, at least in the near term. Mm. So if that's the case, then basically all you would have to do to have a really good computer, some kind of software, which will um, automatically analyze the numbers and then tell you where to put the money. Yeah. Um, of course, computers and also artificial intelligence are used a lot in investing. Yeah. However, um, if it was that easy, then, um, yeah, I don't know if that's really... Uh, possible because we talked about other things which are more on the qualitative side uh, last time. For example, what numbers cannot tell us are things like we talked about mode, yeah. So um, the uh, permanent um, advantage, uh, competitive advantage of a company, which is related to things like brand and uh, other things. So it's more on the business model side. Uh, you have to analyze the market, the competitors, these kind of things. So it's Hard to put a number on that. Um, the management itself uh, is also something that's not really quantitative. Um, yeah, as I said, you have to look at the competition. And it's always possible that there's going to be some sudden news event, which is 
of course, not in the numbers yet. So yeah, things can change suddenly. And uh, there's influence of the politicians and the um, the Fed, the Federal Reserve Bank. So these kind of things are hard to predict, maybe, and hard to um, yeah to to predict uh, just based on the quantitative data. So um, if you look at one single stock, of course, uh, you can you can make a guess, but the guess could be wrong. Um, however, if you have a yeah, well-diversified portfolio, and then you set up some kind of quant uh, strategy, then maybe that makes it possible to outperform the market. So even if a single stock in that portfolio is not outperforming the market, you could say, well, but in average, I will um, have a good performance, which is above average. Um, does that sound to make sense, Scott, or does it sound like a bunch of bullshit? What do you think? Yeah, um, yeah, it makes sense to me. But then I, but then I start thinking. On the other hand, like how much? It sounds good. So it's like you know, if you take more risk, perhaps uh, you could make a lot of money. You could lose a lot of money, right? But what if you take uh, a more balanced approach and you're guaranteed a more, or not guaranteed, but uh, you increase the likelihood of a uh, of a good outcome of beating the market, perhaps? Yeah, it makes sense to me. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to hear more. So obviously there are people out there who um, tried all sorts of things to um, beat the market. And many people took a pure quantitative approach. Um, let's look at some of these um, people and examples. Uh, one famous example is um, a person called Joel Greenblatt. And he wrote a book many years ago. The book is called Little Book That Beats the Market. And this is basically... Yeah, uh, presenting a value investing strategy and it's pure quantitative. So basically what it does is it looks at the most beaten down, the most undervalued companies. Yeah, um, not looking at the quality at all. So again, we said earlier that Warren Buffett says um, it's better to buy a wonderful company at a fair price than a fair company at a wonderful price. Um, but Joel Greenblatt does it differently. He says, I don't care how wonderful the company is. All I look at is how undervalued is it? How cheap is it, basically? And then if I have a broadly diversified quant portfolio, value portfolio, um, even if some of them will go out of market or uh, yeah, underperform, in average, uh, I will beat the market with that. And um, he also put a name on this uh, strategy. It's called Magic Formula. Yeah, and he also has a website called magicformulainvesting.com. Uh, so people can go on that website. Um, not sure if it costs money or not, probably does. But anyways, uh, people can um, become a member there. And then they get a stock screener, basically. And the stock screener will give you, will spit out some, uh, I don't know, 30, 50 companies um, which are undervalued at the moment. And then you can use that as a portfolio to invest in. Again, this book um, has been around for many years. And I think he also made, made a like a new version, new edition called Little Book That Still Beats the Market. Uh, the problem is with these kind of things, they work until they don't work. Um, and especially when uh, the broad audience 
um, finds these strategies, everybody tries to take advantage of it, then, yeah, uh, the advantage disappears, basically. And again, it's also depending on the market environment. There's uh, some couple of years where uh, value is in favor, um, then other uh, years where maybe, yeah, more gr like growth uh, stocks are in, in favor. So um, really depends on the um, market environment. All right. So this was an ex example of um, a person who tried to develop a quantitative strategy, which did not succeed in the long run. Uh, another example, uh, it's also, um, there's a book called What Works on Wall Street. I even have it here on my desk. Uh, the people in the uh, the podcast list is not going to be able to see it. But here's for Scott, Scott, for you, it's a very thick book. I think this is the biggest book that I have in my house, Yeah, as you can see. Wow. And, it's like um, some kind of law book or something. That's very, yeah. how can you pick that up? That is a massive book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's full of tables yeah, and uh, data. And um, this is actually the, the fourth edition. Yeah, the fourth edition is um, from 2011 or 12, written by a gentleman called James P. O'Shaughnessy. Yeah, and um, this book is promising to give you quantitative strategies to give you the data showing which or what works on Wall Street. That's the title, even. Yeah, what works on Wall Street. So, um, saying that purely based on these quantitative strategies, you're able to um, have a good uh, investing performance. Um, if this really works, why did he have to write four editions? Why is it not enough to have one? Yeah. Um, so it shows you that he tried to adapt to change in the market and then eventually he gave up and uh, yeah, what works on Wall Street is basically showing what maybe worked on Wall Street in the past, but not anymore, unfortunately. Um, another example. Um, again, this was a book, yeah, but uh, obviously now in in, in these days um, there are more modern, um, yeah, means of doing these things uh, based on the internet, etc. And there's one website called quantminusinvesting.com by a gentleman called Tim Dutoit. He's originally from South Africa, but he's actually living here in Germany, in Hamburg. I actually met him for lunch, uh, did an interview with him. So I might also uh, re-upload this here for uh, this podcast. Um, and he has a website which is uh, providing a stock screener for yeah, quant investing. Um, so I'm not sure... I didn't really um, audit how successful that is, but it's more or less, I imagine, the same thing like this book, just in the in a website uh, kind of format. So um, basically, the conclusion is that these factors, yeah, these market anomalies, go in and out of fashion, and it's difficult to develop. Um, an investing strategy based purely on quantitative uh, factors, yeah, a strategy which is really working in the long run. It's very difficult. There's one exception, I would say, yeah, one market anomaly, one factor, which is very robust and it does not go in and out of fashion that much compared to other things. Obviously, it's there are also a couple of years when it works better, others when it works less. Yeah, but um, 
it is a little bit special and I will also try to explain why. And the factor I'm talking about is momentum. So um, first of all, we talked about um, the efficient market hypothesis, yeah, and um, saying that there's also another camp called the um, yeah, behavioral economics. But even people, even the proponents of the efficient market hypothesis, like, for example, Eugene Farmer and uh, Kenneth French, even they say that momentum is the main arena of market anomalies. Yeah, as I said, it's the most robust of all market anomalies. So it tends to, um, yeah, to, to work uh, in most years. So the reason is, um, obviously, this is my interpretation, might be wrong, but the way I see it is um, market anomalies, as I said, they can go in and out of fashion. But whatever moves the price, whatever market anomaly, whatever factor it is, or whatever new factual information that comes into the market, um, yeah, or maybe it's just, it's not factual or it's a irrational exuberance, um, whatever it is, it will make the stock price move, yeah, it basically starts a trend. And at least for a short amount of time, this trend will last. And you could say that trend and momentum are more or less, kind of more or less the same thing, yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, when a stock moves in a trend, it is more likely that it will continue to move in the same direction of that trend than, yeah, in that uh, point on time to change the direction. Yeah, obviously, it's not going to last forever. But as soon or, yeah, when, is, when a trend started, it's more likely that the trend will continue than it will stop, you could say. So um, without momentum, that's the way I see it, without momentum, there is no price movement. And without price movement, the market would stop functioning. That is why momentum will continue to exist as a factor also in the future. Yeah. So again, momentum is more or less a result of the other factors. So maybe in the one year, the values stocks are working very well. And the other year, the growth stocks will work very well. Whatever it is, it will create some kind of price movement. The price move movement will yeah, uh, develop into some trends and therefore momentum will work. Um, was that kind of, were you, yeah, was that... <laughs> Easy to understand what I'm trying to explain. Does it make sense, or what do you think, Scott? Yeah, it makes it makes sense to me. I I just have questions about the trend. That was the hard mm -hmm. part. I think for me is because um, when I think of a trend, I mean it's easy when you look at it in the past. You can say, oh, there mm -hmm. was a there was a trend, but being able to kind of I don't know if you could say forecast, but predict if if you're on a trend if, or you're at the beginning of a trend, is it like a day or a week or a year or that's kind of the question that I have is how do you define when a trend has started, I guess? Mm. Yeah, uh, this is um, something we will talk about much more in detail uh, Yeah, in, in very um, soon episodes. We will talk about momentum investing, momentum trading. Um, so basically, I can give you the little spoiler here that um, I focus on momentum-based stock market strategies. Yeah, because I really think that um, if I try to beat the market, it has to be done with momentum. 
Um, we will talk about momentum investing, momentum trading more in detail soon. There are a couple of strategies can be very active, but it can also be more like an investor with a long holding period or longer holding period. Um, so yeah, please stay tuned. Basically, uh, we will talk about this and we will also, um, give a little bit deeper understanding of momentum itself. So yeah, just a, a short announcement at the end. Um, I've written a short ebook with the title natural laws of the stock market. The ebook is showing you the inherent characteristics of the stock market. Those inherent uh, characteristics are also called market structure. Momentum is one of those uh, inherent characteristics. You need to be aware of these natural laws if you want to successfully build wealth on the stock market. So you can now download the ebook completely for free on the following website, money-masters.com slash ebook. I repeat, money-masters.com slash ebook. I will also put the link here in the description. May the momentum be with you. See you next time. Bye-bye.